0: By its most simple definition, murals are large paintings, works of art on flat surfaces. From cave paintings to street art, murals have been used as another visual tool to narrate our stories and values, shedding light on social and political culture. It is a powerful method of communication used by artists to evoke emotion and elicit responses from all who walk past it. The streets in San Francisco are filled with a diverse range of murals that have become part of the landscape of our ever-changing city. It affects our relationships with place, impacting our sense of familiarity and belonging. Not only do murals change the building that it occupies, but it can define the neighborhood it becomes a part of, creating a sense of shared experience. The Mission District, Susan Cervantes, is a pioneer of the San Francisco Community Mural Art Movement, and the founder and director of Presida Eyes muralists. For over the last 57 years, Cervantes has continued to foster community collaboration, elevating the voices of new generations and highlighting the importance of artistic process. my first question, I just would love to know where it all began for you. Uh, When did you recognize yourself as an artist?
1: Well, I probably recognized myself as an artist when I was in high school. I was very serious about it when I was in high school, and I had the opportunity to have like three art classes in my senior year, and I graduated when I was 16. I graduated quite early.
0: Wow, from high school?
1: That's very early. It was because I went to summer school to complete all of my academics so that I could get out of high school sooner than later.
0: Good for you. What was your drive? The freedom? The freedom of getting out of high school?
1: Yeah, that part of it. And then also I was focusing on art. And because that my academics were out of the way, I had all this free time at school. So I was able to take two or three art classes a day uh, until I graduated I was happy that my, my parents supported that uh, plan. I just said, well, I, want, I really would like to be out of school early and I would like to go to summer school and get all my classes behind me during the summer. And they said, OK, that sounds like a good plan and allowed me to do that.
0: I wonder if they were worried you would drop out to pursue art or, you know, they were probably so thrilled that you were on this accelerated path as opposed to, you know, forget high school. I want to make
1: art. Well, that part of that, but I also was chosen from my art classes to be one of the students to go to the museum school. And so I was doing that every Saturday. I would go there to be trained in painting. And then I would go to my teacher's studio. And one evening of the week, we would do life drawing. So I was like doing life drawing when I was 15, 16 years old. I was influenced by my teacher's work, um, who did these imaginary kind of landscapes with figures, you know, in fields and barns and stuff like that with special kind of lighting. So I thought that the light was really important. I,
0: I was going to ask, do you remember, yeah, what was it that struck you about that
1: imagery? I guess the psychological tones of it. The one thing he said to me was, you have to make original art. That meant to me like it had to be something from myself not from something external. So even if I was doing a still life of a bowl of fruit or something, it was from my imagination. So that was an important lesson at that moment. So I remembered that from my original teacher. The museum school gives a, a scholarship to one student every year. And I happened to get the this, this scholarship. They have an exhibition of all the students' work and they chose me to be honored with a scholarship. So I went to the the museum library and I looked up art schools. There weren't any that were giving degrees. Uh, My parents wanted me to get a degree. So there was only two places to go where you get a degree. Uh, One was in Philadelphia, which is the Pennsylvania Academy of Art, which is where my museum teacher went. And he was wanting me to go there. But it takes you five years to get a a BFA. Uh, To where I looked at the California School of Fine Arts, And you can go for four years and get a degree. So I chose California. And so my parents said, okay, you can go to California. I hadn't even turned 17 yet. But I think it was a little sad for my mom because she leaves me in a city, you know, by myself. But I was just in my room. I was just painting every day. I was there in the school like 15 hours a day painting. I would take up a whole corner of the studio. And I was maybe one of 50 full-time students. And I met my husband, Luis, and the, he came to night school for uh, painting classes and for ceramics. He was a ceramic sculptor, you know, but the, the night teacher would tell me, say, Susan, you can't take up the space at night. You have to let, let my students come in and fill the space if they need it. I says, OK. And so Luis came and he, he parked himself right in my spot. And he was looking. I had all my paintings up all around the wall and he was looking at it. And so we got acquainted and um, we were partners by that fall, November, like Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was always like our anniversary.
0: Oh, that's so romantic. Do you think he fell in love with your
1: paintings first? Probably. He was in his face and then he saw me and then he saw the paintings. I think I don't know. (laughs) It was really wonderful to meet him, who's, you know, been a part of my life for more than 44 years. We have three sons, and so he's uh, he's painting, too, but he was a sculptor. He did this monumental clay sculpture uh, when I first met him, and I'd meet him in the pot shop or where they were doing ceramic art at the school. Just He was just an amazing artist. Oh,
0: wonderful. What a partner. That's incredible. You know, I keep thinking of the school gave you all that space because they knew you would be changing the landscape of the city. You know, I think they knew you would come and bring color and joy and beautiful murals to the city. Um, and so they gave you as much space as you needed.
1: <laughs> and I think your husband probably picked that up too. What's strange is that you know I had all different kinds of jobs at the art school. And uh, one of them was working with the dean and curator of the Diego Rivera Gallery, and there was this curtain in there that actually hid the Diego Rivera mural. And I was told that it was covered because in 1954, from the former president of the school, because it wasn't contemporary enough. I was working in the gallery, and I was trying to take a peek. And there was a a monumental painter, Norman Irving, who huge, the biggest paintings I've ever seen made reached 20 feet tall and. 10 feet wide there was like this fantastic mechanized society the rich indulging in all all of their richness and mechanisms and power and just in repeating forms that give it gave it a rhythm and a movement pretty amazing but he was inspired by the mexican muralists and he said susan you have to go to mexico and see the mexican muralists he so he inspired me to consider doing that. I never imagined, but because Luis was from Mexico, his family was originally from Mexico. He and I went to Mexico a few times, and it was important for Luis to like find out more about his own roots, his own heritage as well. So we did, we finally did get to go see the great Mexican muralists in Mexico City. That was in 1968.
0: Wow. And is that the first time that you really felt the power of a mural? I mean, the 20-foot one that you kind of peeled back the curtain, is that the first time? Or had you been painting large beforehand?
1: Well, I, I was always inclined to paint large, and Louise would make me the largest canvases possible, like a 10, 10 feet by 5 feet, or sometimes triptychs with that, those measurements. I really wanted to paint something beyond my periphery. So I was inclined to do that. I never imagined, you know, painting murals. There the mural movement hadn't even started. When I did the first mural in the, (laughs) the first mural in the mission in 1965 for the Coffee dawns, it was um, on 22nd of Lynch. but Coffee dawns, you know, the guy wanted a mural on his wall in there and he, I was, lived next door. We used to patronize, you know, his place for food and stuff. So he I'll just give you some food if you, you know, come up. And he says, and so it was the first mural. It was about a subject that little controversial that it was about Custer's last stand because the owner would say, where did all these Indians come from? And so what I did is I made it so that all the Indians were really pouncing on on the (laughs) Custer's army and and really destroying them. But in a kind of a cartoon kind of a way.
0: I love your work.
1: I can imagine. Yeah.
0: How long was that mural there for? It
1: was there for several years. It wasn't destroyed, just covered with paneling. And then someone else took over and then they wanted to change the paneling and then they saw that there was a mural under there. And so they contacted, we're going to have to paint out this mural. And I says, okay, whatever. So that was much later on.
0: I mean I can't imagine the mission without your murals. So it's really exciting to hear the first one that you painted. I mean that's so that's such a cool story.
1: Yeah, but no one even knew that there was, that no one knew what murals were. There was maybe in 1971, 72, there's maybe a handful.
0: And what is it that, to go so big, you know, what is it that drives you to paint such, you know,
1: life-sized imagery? I wasn't planning on that. I got involved with the group of women muralists uh, in the year 70s, the Mujeres Muralistas,
0: and this is after you've returned home from Mexico, right?
1: When we visited Mexico, was a, there was a purpose in our visit, get more culturally in tuned with, with the, that culture. So we were just on a cultural pilgrimage at that time. So I didn't think about it coming back. And of course, two or three more years went by before you start to see any murals at all. And I was just painting all the time. You know, I needed to get one semester of tuition which was only, what, 200 and something dollars at the time. But that was a lot of money. People were making a dollar twenty-five an hour. So this guy said, if you can beat me on this chess game, I will pay your tuition, thinking that I wasn't going to win, of course. So I sat there and I really concentrated and I beat him. And he paid my tuition. I went through school and I got scholarships after that. Then I had my first son in 1969. I was following the Mujeres Murlistas and they knew that I was a painter. So they invited me to work with them on a a mural, one of the murals that they did. And I saw how wonderful they worked collectively, sharing the themes, the ideas, their contribution to the idea and the composition. And there was four or five of them, you know. And they did it so well. I thought, wow, this is really fantastic way to work with other people. And you're working on something that is public, that's accessible to everybody, not in a gallery, not in a museum. So that really inspired me. And I thought, well, we really need this to be in our community at Presida Valley Community Center, where I was volunteering my time because I had my first son. So I started volunteering my time and it was doing preschool art and after school art for kids and doing adult painting classes in the evening. And so my friends from the Mujeres Morales, uh, Patricia Rodriguez and Graciela Corrillo, they said, fine, we'll get a workshop starting there. So that's what happened. We started the first workshop at Procida Valley and I ended up directing it. And we installed it on the front facade. And it was the first multicultural mural in the mission. It was painted by and designed by about 17 participants, all very, very diverse group of people. So that was my first experience doing that.
0: That's amazing. I love this story. What is the process like? You know, I mean, how do you creatively collaborate and compromise with 17 other artists? You know, what is the process like of getting the design out and you know, what what does that even look like? I mean, do you all kind of come with drawings and you combine them or you all draw together? Or, you know, what is the process of working with a collective?
1: Yeah, we do it with many different size groups. Basically, it's the theme. It's the theme that bonds everything together. So if everyone's drawing around the same theme, it's not going to look really crazy. We have everybody draw out their ideas and some people have never painted or drawn before. uh, That's fine too. We include what everyone's ideas are. Then once they draw them out, we put it away. And by memory, everybody remembers what each other has done. And we make a list of all the images. And then we see how they're all interrelated. And then we have a big piece of paper. They can start to make a composition. And they can decide how they're going to tell the story, left to right, middle out, whatever, wherever they want, whatever the focus is. And the whole group decides where everything's going to go and how the story is going to be unfolded. And that's the way it's always been done.
0: It's so beautiful because it's very cohesive. You know, the work that I've seen of yours tells such strong narratives. They're always beautiful, cohesive. Um, you know, to think that you have all of these multiple different brains and create creative process all combined is amazing.
1: Yeah, well, it's good because people don't th- don't know at the beginning how it's all gonna how are all these different ideas gonna come together, but we so well, there is a magic that happens.
0: Yeah, you make it seem easy. This is not easy. This is absolutely magic.
1: And then the main thing is that everybody can see themselves in it. The last thing you say is can does everybody see themselves see their parts in here and they say yes. And so we know that that is the composition that we should stay with. And so then we bring back a scale drawing This after all the research and development. We show if this is what you like, is this what you wanted. We show them first and they say, yes, this is what and usually it's even more enhanced. They just can't believe that all these things were put together and say, I didn't think my thing was very good. But when you put everybody else around it, it looks great. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> That's true in
0: so many facets of life, really. That's so beautiful.
1: You know, so that's how the process process works. And that's a really true community mural process that we practice and share with the communities that we serve.
0: How extraordinary. And then what is the application process? Does the community all come out to watch every brushstroke you put on the wall? And how many muralists do you have engaged in actually putting it up on the walls?
1: Well, in a lot of cases, once we have the design approved, then we can prepare the wall and translate. For the design onto the wall. Uh, When we're working with, like, in a student sort of situation, we can have those students actually practice trying to enlarge their parts, and that works. And the artists are ultimately responsible for making sure the transfer goes on well. We have what's called a community painting day, where everybody comes out and begins the painting, begins the mural. We've done that so many times with hundreds of people. Sometimes we have three or 400 people at once and on really large scale projects. So we never know how many people are going to come out. I think one of the last ones was the General Hospital barricade, where we had a couple of hundred people. I remember when we did the barricades around the uh, Asian Art Museum, when it was being built, we had about three or 400 people.
0: Wow, wow. You know, there's so it's so there's so much to all of this. You know, there's so much to unpack. I I think you're incredibly brave, right? To have because ultimately it, the mural lives forever, and so um, to be able to pull 400 people together and have them all participate and and have a beautiful image at the end is really powerful because you get a lot of people have a lot of fear around art, um, you know, and they say, I'm not an artist, I don't know how to do this, I don't, you know, and they bring so much insecurity to making art. And so I imagine that you're able to empower them, make them comfortable enough to choose the colors, to get their hands dirty, to get involved. Um, so there's like a, la- a layer there that I, you know, give you a lot of credit for making people feel comfortable and getting them to participate. Um, And and then setting them up for success that in the end, the art is so beautiful. You know, the work that you leave, the murals on the walls are so stunning and so joyful and colorful and have such strong narratives um, that you're able to give people that gift that they were part of that. Uh, It's really, it's beautiful. I give you a lot of credit.
1: Well, thank you. I mean, a lot of it, it doesn't, it's transformative. A lot of people, they don't expect the process to make them feel bonded the way they do when they experience it. And it leaves them with the thought that they can transform their lives. They can make their life better. Not not just as artists, but just as people. Working with other people, not being afraid to share their emotions and their, their ideas with other people because you've given them that opportunity. So then the, once you give someone that a hum, that humanity of using their, giving them, oh, it reminds me of a third grader who comes up to me after we finish the mural says thank you for giving us our imagination it's like I didn't want to say well you've always had it you know and it's it's just terrible that our education system does not encourage that from the very beginning from from birth to encourage your your being who you are and let the you know your imagination and your mind and and your emotions and everything be free and, and in control of yourself. So that's what hooked me is the fact that this is is life changing. But to see the cultural genocide that we have had present for generations. So I felt like this is a way that I could at least give back.
0: The most important lesson that you can give somebody. And you've also given them they're part of a larger, more beautiful process, too. You know, there's a self-importance when you work with 400 people and you can find the color that you painted on this larger, beautiful piece. I mean, all of it is so
1: empowering. It's very rewarding to feel that, you know, when everybody, when you get into the middle of the project and everybody's sitting still and they're like focused on what they're doing, you feel this harmony go through the whole group.
0: right. And then it translates into the art. I mean, that that harmony then translates into the final piece. Do you ever get nervous before a piece starts? Because you're wonderful. I mean, you really sort of let it be. You're not a control freak. You are very open-minded and let the journey sort of happen. Um, do you ever get nervous when, you, when you're about to embark and you don't really know what's going to happen?
1: No, I don't think I do. I mean, I just think of the possibilities. Being able to visualize, I mean, to have a vision that it can happen, you know, that's in it, and it. And it does happen and it happens all the time.
0: Yeah, I've talked to so many different artists that you have influenced in such strong ways. Um, You know, we actually we just worked with uh, twin wall murals and they sing your praises and you know it's just a wonderful thing. I mean you make it seem sort of easy and you're so humble but you are a legend and you've had such influence on so many incredible artists. Uh, You know there's sort of this ripple effect that happens I think from that original mural you made, the ripple effects throughout the universe that you've inspired different artists for generations. It's really powerful. Art as therapy, art as community building, art, you know, you don't know what relationship somebody will build with art from the ex- exposure you've given them. Um, but my understanding is that that little seed has grown and blossomed in so many people. Um, so it's really wonderful. Um, but I would love to talk about Presida Eyes a little bit more, um, because I think that's sort of the ground zero, the home base of all of this amazing work. And it's in the heart of the mission. I mean, I can't imagine the mission without Presida Eyes and the incredible work that you do.
1: Well, it's always been part of our life here. Like I said, we've lived in the mission for 60 years. We've always been here. Um, when we take people on tours of the murals in the early days, there was like just a handful of murals. But. We wanted people to understand the history where they come from, indigenous people to the great Mexican muralists to the contemporary mural movement here and who's responsible and why they're doing it and what it all means. So we were, when I started seeing little little throw-ups, graffiti tags, throw-ups, I said, this is a new form of mural. Who is doing this, you know? So I started, started documenting it and started to see uh, and find out who was doing it and, and uh, gave them the space to uh, come to and share their ideas about uh graffiti uh gave them a you're so
0: beautiful because at that time those kids were being criminalized for making these murals so wonderful for you to embrace it and recognize it as an art form
1: that was important to me to do that it's also you know i had teenage sons at that time they were you know i think one was uh, put in custody because he had a, a, a fat marker on him if you had a marker in those days You were busted, and you would go. Your your parents had to go pick you up and say, you know, try to keep you from doing that. (laughs) But you know, all my sons, I think, have had their thing with with uh, the graffiti movement. Uh, They're all artists, and they all uh, do fantastic work. But it influenced a whole generation of people at the time. It's when they were communicating with each other in that way. Style and I, I, I thought that that was very important.
0: So important, yeah. You know, and at that time too, I mean, there was it was sort of an untrained skill, and you could see who was better than others. I mean, there was sort of this internal competition amongst graffiti artists. Um, so what a gift for you to then embrace them and give them training, and um, you know, it's such a one because it's such a beautiful art form that is only starting to get that credit recently
1: not knowing at that time what your impact is, you know, I can see prospectively, you know, that it had an impact and an importance and was uh, an outlet for a lot of youth that were being criminalized. So we would find sanctioned permission places where they could actually practice this art with a spray can. And then of course, we started the uh, Urban Youth Arts Festival 24 years ago, which uh, we build walls in the park and when we provide the spray paint and they can just spray all they want with their images, and it's just gotten better and better. Now we're sharing that uh, internationally. We had our online international festival last year because of COVID, but now this year we're probably going to do both at this hopefully live, hopefully live and online. So, yeah, you know, definitely uh, is. And for the youth, especially uh, to have that outlet. Um, ha- you know, having access, giving everyone access to to art in some form, whether it's in the graffiti form or in traditional form, it's changed a lot of people's lives. And you don't really realize how big a reach it has been until people like contact you 20 years later and say, oh, my gosh, I just had to get in touch with you and tell you that you completely changed my life. Um, I was a homeless man and you gave me the opportunity to paint on this wall and it changed my life so much after that that um, I just needed to like let you know how much uh, a better person that I am today.
0: And for that one email know that there's a thousand people that did not send an email that that just feel that you know yeah that's so wonderful. Do you have a favorite mural that you've made?
1: I know that's a loaded, a loaded question. It's it's pretty loaded. I mean, all of them are your babies, you know, you love them all. But I mean, the one that sticks out probably for me and many other people is the Women's Building Mural. That one was very unique, uh, very unique collaboration with myself and six other women artists. And, you know, it's been, what, 26 years now since we completed it. And it really uh, made a a unique kind of bond between us because we meet uh, almost every month. 've been meeting we've been meeting every month since the begin since we finished the mural
0: what was that process like I mean that is a huge building and that mural is so it's so revealing it's so honest I mean that is it is defined San Francisco that building
1: well we all contributed different parts and I guess the part that I you know contributed most to the woman at the top on the 18th Street side the woman giving birth. Now, she's not giving birth. She's actually got a, a six-month fetus inside of her belly. But she's sort of the goddess of light and creativity. And she's got her hands raised with the sun coming through. And behind her is uh, butterfly wings with uh, representing rebirth, which is sort of like the rebirth of the women's building because they just finished paying off the mortgage when we did the mural. That's sort of what it was celebrating. And then her birth waters, you know, the fish, and then the birth waters turn into the fabric. And so I did all the flow lines and so that the names of all the women could be put on the flow lines of the fabric fabric from over 36 countries that were done by women, we have over 500 names that are painted on the flow lines between the fabrics on both sides of the building. The hands, the Rigoberta's hands, Rigoberta's uh, Menchusa, which is from her uh, K'iche Maya tribe, the Quan Yin, goddess of compassion, and so much more. Those are just some of the elements I focused on the most. So stunning.
0: And it's so thoughtful. Um, Do you ever, I I mean, every mural you've done, I feel like there's so much deep meaning. Every brushstroke feels very thoughtful and very intentional. Um, Do you ever get a chance to explain these murals, um, every detail and every thoughtful piece that you've put in or do you just leave it up to the viewer to sort of internalize and, um, because you know, the the women's building now has this beautiful book. And so I could read about each piece of it um, but you have murals too that I'm like wondering and my brain goes wild and I go down the rabbit hole of what I think you must have been meaning.
1: Well I think every mural has a has a narrative has a story. We actually write them down we offer them to the people who are using the building whether it might be a school or community center or a health center or something they have the narrative sometimes they post the narratives but basically people don't have access to those narratives unless they uh, do some research you know they you want people to like just kind of take in what they can perceive of the work and mm, come up with their own interpretation you know and but of course you know once they do know the story they look at it even deeper that's why that's why our tours are so important because people just go by they don't really think about it but when they take our tour and they get a real live person artist to take them by and describe what the meanings of it is. They say that it changes everything the way they look at murals.
0: You know, you have a beautiful quote on your website I wanted to ask you about. Um, so on your website, there's a quote stating, Presida eyes is art for the people. Presida murals are, re- are thought provoking and really speak to issues of class struggle, racism, oppression, and other relevant issues to communities of color. Um, I just would love for you to speak to that. I just feel like that needs to be included into this podcast somehow.
1: Yeah, it can, it, the, the murals, the, maybe they look very beautiful, but if you start looking at it closely, you can see the deeper meanings. That's what we're trying to do. Also, we show the diversity because we have a lot of people working on it, it's not just one person. And the themes can be all different kinds of things. I mean, we did one around AIDS. We did one that's uh, on Market and 16th Street It's still there. We have many different ones with different issues that have come up in the community. So I think it's really a great testimony to hear that people can see the depth of the work and not just think of it as just a beautiful painting.
0: And I love the themes come from the community too, and that you've always been solicited. I mean, that's such a beautiful thing. There's an element of spirituality in each of your pieces. Um, I don't know if you can speak to that. I feel like it's beyond words. You know, I don't know if you can articulate what that is, um, but I, I feel like that comes through you as an artist. Like you have a beautiful spirit that then is just transformed onto the wall. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's not something you think about. I don't, how would you address spirituality in your work?
1: Well, it's interesting that you something that's been following me since I was a student. That they can't talk about it because it's too spiritual. That's my personal work, you know. But uh, you know, yeah, I think that that it does mean a lot. And if I can share that, if I can convey that to people or makes have them feel that without saying anything, you don't say. We have to do something spiritual. It just comes out. It because every everyone has that inside of them. They already have this knowledge, you know, that's been given to them in the, from their ancestors. They it and so if you give them that freedom, it comes out. And you just I'm just here to like you know guide them. Uh, it just makes perfect sense. And if we can convey any of that kind of spirit. Uh, from each of the individuals that participate, then that's going to shine. And it's going to give all of us more light than what we already have.
0: People in community have concerns. And it is important that they have a voice. Public art gives people that voice. It gives them visibility and the hopes and dreams of their community. Susan Cervantes. Cervantes has been an inspiring leader, co-creating and collaborating with local artists and community members in so many ways, transforming their lives through the creation of murals. She brings people together to help them tell their stories and fill the walls with subjects and themes that reflect who they are and who their communities are. Next Monday, please join me as I have the opportunity to speak with conceptual artist and longtime friend of the de Young Museums, Catherine Wagner. We will hear Wagner share her practice and her history creating public artworks, her nuance and her innovation. I'm Francesca D'Alessio, and I oversee the public programs initiatives here at the Fine Arts Museums of San Francisco, and I'll be your host for this series. Please visit our website deyoung.famsf.org backslash programs backslash local voices to find our transcripts for these episodes and to be sure to subscribe to the museum's email newsletters to learn more about what's going on here at the DeYoung.